Bill Bunkley here. I want to invite you to join me this summer on a trip of a lifetime to both Israel and Jordan. I'm teaming up again with Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold for this life-changing pilgrimage. Come see the biblical sites you've read about. Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, Sea of Galilee, Jericho, Jordan River, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Petra, and so much more. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A 700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com, BillBunkley.com, or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. That he might give eternal life that I might live and turn my darkness. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew and chapter 27, verse 35. And they crucified him parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And setting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head this accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. There were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyeth the temple and buildeth it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders, he said. He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same into his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land from the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now look there in chapter 28. Chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know whom ye seek, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. So Christ was crucified. He was buried. He came back again from the dead. I talked to a man the other day right here in the office and he said he believed the Bible. 
I said, you believe Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the Lord? Yes, I do. Do you believe he paid for all of your sins? Yes, I do. I says, where are you going to die? He says, I hope I'm going to heaven. I says, you're not sure? He says, no, I'm not real sure. He said, nobody can really be sure. I says, um, is there anything you can do between now and the time that you die that could keep you from going to heaven? He said, oh, yeah, a lot of things. I said, sir, you don't believe the Bible. He said, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. I says, you don't believe that Jesus Christ paid for all of your sins either. He says, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. I said, if you believe he paid for all of your sins, then why do you think that sin that you'll commit tomorrow or the next day will send you to hell? How many times must you pay for a sin? You don't believe he paid for that sin. You believe he paid for all the sins up to the day, but you don't believe he paid for those that you haven't done yet. Because when Christ died on the cross, all of your sins were in the future. You know what? He got mad at me. He literally got upset because he didn't like what I said. But I don't like somebody saying, I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible. I believe Christ died and paid for my sins. Sir, you do not believe that. You don't believe it. You believe you've got to pay for your sins, and that's why you think you can still go to hell to pay for it. Because you don't believe he paid for it. Now, either Christ paid for my sins or he did not pay for my sins. He came into the world to save the world, not to condemn the world. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, that's exclusive. That's exclusive. It means it excludes everybody else. This means that you can't get to heaven no other way except through Jesus Christ. No man comes unto the Father except through him, and he is the only way. There's not two ways. There is no other God. You can't go through Buddha, Mohammed, or Confucius, or anybody else. You do not go to heaven because you trust in a church. You don't go to heaven because you trust in a preacher. You don't go to heaven because you trust in your good deeds. You can't save yourself. Understand, you can't save yourself. That's why you needed a Savior. Christ came into the world to save individuals. Look at number two. He entered the city victoriously, receiving the praise of his people. In John 12 through 13, he says, With joy they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. So Christ is making a joyful entry into the city of Jerusalem. And lo and behold, everybody's all excited and hollering and cheering and praising the Lord. See, they were looking for a king to deliver them from the iron heel of Rome. They weren't looking for a savior. They'd watched him raise some people from the dead. They'd watched him walk on water. They watched him feed the 5,000. Uh, we could use somebody like that. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, in the tribulation period, which is right ahead of us, the world is also still looking for a, a superman, a most brilliant individual that has the answers to everything because the world is in a mess. And the Bible says men's hearts failing them for fear, seeing those things which are coming upon the earth. And so an individual is going to show up and evidently be able to deceive even God's elect if God doesn't intervene. And he's going to fool the people, lie to the people, deceive the people, and talk about peace and world peace. Everything is global now. It's global world peace. There ain't going to be no peace until the Prince of Peace comes. And Christ isn't here yet. And we have seven years of tribulation period, so you can forget all this here about peace in the world. It ain't going to happen. Christ says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword to divide the mothers and the fathers and the sisters and the brothers and everybody away from each other. And what does that? The gospel. Causes one man to believe and another man doesn't believe. It divides. Whenever the rapture takes place, what's going to happen? There's going to be a great divide. 
All those who know the Lord are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and those that don't know the Lord are going to be still right here. You're talking about a division? There's a division. It's all the way through the Scriptures. And what happened to this peace on earth, goodwill toward men? Well, there would be peace on earth if people accepted the Prince of Peace, but they rejected the Prince of Peace, and there will be no peace without Him. In the next statement, He is later betrayed. Matthew 20, verse 18, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn Him to death. Now, this was prophesied. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied. It's prophesied again. When Christ was here, He told them over and over again, I am going to be killed. Three days later, I'm coming back from the dead. But he told them what was going to take place. Jesus Christ did not come to see how rich he could be. His goal in life was not, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. His goal was he was going to become the minister when he was 30. And he knew that in three and a half years, he was going to be dead. His goal wasn't to see how many houses he could have, how much land he could own, or how much money he could have in the bank, how many cars he could drive. That wasn't his goal. It wasn't to see how rich can he be. Remember, he left glory came into this world, stripped himself of everything that he had, came in here born in a manger, poor. He was the son of God. He had all the power in the world. He could perform miracles. He could read minds. Think how much money he could have made reading people's minds. He was awesome. He was a man's man. He was a carpenter. He worked with wood. He is tried, condemned, and scourged. Then released he Barabbas, the robber unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Do you know what scourging means? It means that they took and laid him over a, a bench like, and they took a cat of nine tails with broken pieces of glass and pottery and nails and pieces of metal in it and that nine of those things on long legs. I got one in the office. And they would take it and hit him on the back and then sink it in and then rip it across his back and then do that to a man 39 times. Just rip his back open. And then they crucified him. Christ did a lot of suffering before he ever got to the cross. But you know, all that suffering that he did, that wasn't paying for our sins yet. That was just what men were doing to him. You see, they poured out our sins upon him. And so, yes, he had the evil of man, the wickedness of man, uh, crucifying him. And people did all these wicked things to the Son of God. But when he was on the cross and he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's when the payment for our sins, I believe, were paid because he paid for our sins on the cross. He is mocked as he hung on a cruel Roman cross where they said, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. He says, they said, if you are who you claim to be, you come down from that cross and we'll believe you. Let's just wait and see if he can save himself. They mocked him. They made fun of everything that he said. If it was me, I'd have came down from the cross. I'd have zapped every last one of them and then went back up. But I'd have hit him first. If he'd have come down from the cross, he couldn't have saved anybody. He couldn't come down and save himself. He didn't come into the world to deliver himself. He had to die on the cross and pay for sin. He allowed the wickedness of people to do what they did to him as a lamb. That means without lifting any resistance. He never resisted whatever they wanted to do. They wanted to spit on him, they could do so. They pulled his beard, they, they, they could do so. They put a, a crown of thorns on his head, they could do so. And then they would hit the thorns on the top of the head and push it down to the skin and blood, so they can do that. Whatever they wanted to do to him, they could do. They could say anything they wanted. He wouldn't say anything back. He just let them do whatever they wanted to do. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was being slaughtered. 
When somebody says something about us, we want to get even with them. It's the last thing I do. He was the Son of God, came into the world to die willingly for the sins of the world and to die upon a cruel cross. He could not come down. If he had came down, he could not have saved anybody. The next statement, he is declared dead, removed from the cross, buried in a tomb. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That meant that what he had done on the cross, when he says, it is finished, it means the payment for the sins of the world were done. It means there's nothing that anybody else has to do. The payment for sin was complete. You know, you go to buy something, you get a receipt. Well, Christ coming back from the dead is a living receipt that the payment was made in full. And the scars in his hands and his feet, uh, that's the mark that it's paid in full. It is finished. There's nothing for anybody to add to it. There's no more work to do. We are saved. We go to heaven because of the work Christ did. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. He said, if I go out here and I kill somebody, I'll still go to heaven when I die. What did you say is true? I said, that's a crude way to put it, but yes. He said, I'd never believe that. I'd never believe that. He says, you trying to tell me that a man can go out here and kill people and still go to heaven when they die? I said, yeah. And I said, I got worse news than that. He said, what's that? I said, you can go to church all your life and live to be a little saint as close as to God you can live. I said, if you don't trust Christ, you still burn to hell. Just like that man that killed all those people. God says there's no difference between them. I said, you may not like the one. I said, but the other one is just as bad. I said, the greatest sin you can ever do, the greatest sin is to reject Christ as your Savior. You can't get any worse than that. The sin of unbelief. All sin can be forgiven, but the sin of unbelief. See, if you die without believing on Christ, there is no forgiveness in this life or the life to come. There is no hope. Because the worst thing you'll ever do is not because you went out here and murdered somebody or raped somebody and robbed the bank. No, the worst thing you can ever do, ever do, the worst is to reject the payment Christ made on the cross for you. John 19, 34 says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Three days later he is absent from the tomb, having risen under his own power. Look at this verse. John chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, under the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. And he, an angel, said unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Christ came back from the dead. Christ is alive. He is in heaven, and he has eternal life as a gift to give to every person that believes that he died for them. Next statement. He is seen, believed on by hundreds, and ascends into heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at one. This is after he came back from the dead. So this wasn't something done in the corner. 500 people saw him after he came back from the dead. This is on one occasion. And then... It says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. See, Jesus Christ was God. He was God manifested in the flesh. And get what he says about this. This is a tremendous verse, 1 Timothy 3.16. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, 
believed on in the world, received up in the glory. He came into the world, did what he came to do, and left this world. Now he's in heaven. And he has given eternal life to every individual that believes that he did all of that for them. You don't earn eternal life. You don't work your way to heaven. And yet there's a lot of people that go to good, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, missionary-minded Baptist churches that do not know Christ as their Savior. A lot of preachers do not understand that eternal security is the gospel, and the gospel is eternal security. And if you're not saved forever, you're not saved at all. The best news in all the world is to know that you have eternal life. You cannot know that you're going to heaven when you die if you don't believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. If you don't believe you're always saved, you don't know where you're going when you die, and you don't understand the gospel. This is the Bible. And the issue is heaven and hell, and that is critical. It's not a game. This is serious stuff. It would be a shame for you to come and you hear and you say, I heard that a thousand times, but did you ever trust Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, you're lost. You're still lost. It means that when you die, you go to hell. And wouldn't it be a shame for tomorrow you to wake up in the flames of hell, knowing that you could have gone to heaven, knowing you sat there and you heard it over and over and over again, and you never trust the Lord because you thought you had time, or it really wasn't that critical, not that important, and now you're in hell and knowing you can't get out. You'll never get out. It'll never be changed. It'll never get any better. Have you ever burnt yourself on a flame? Touched something so hot it burnt you? I've done it a many a time. And how thankful I am. I cannot go to hell. If that doesn't make a man thankful, nothing will. Look at the next statement. This is Jesus the Christ, God in the flesh, who died in your place that you may have heaven forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. See, this is a clear definition on how salvation is offered to you and I. But you can believe this intellectually and not really trust Christ as your Savior. You can say, well, I believe Christ died. That's, that's, that's history. But Christ died for me. That's salvation. You must believe that when He died on that cross, He died and paid for my sin. Mine. Mine. That means if I really believe that, then I don't have to pay for mine. But if you think you're still going to hell, you don't really believe He paid for yours. Oh yeah, I've heard Christ died on the cross and paid for the sin of the world. heard it all my life. Where do you go when you die? Well, the hell if I don't change. You don't get it. You don't understand. He died to pay for your sins. Forget everybody else's. Forget the world. He did it for you. Think about it as an individual thing. He did this for me, my sins, so that I could have eternal life. Now, what should be our decision? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, it's done. It's finished. Take your Bible very quickly and turn over there to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is what we call the resurrection chapter. But in this resurrection chapter, notice what he says there in verse 51. Christ can't come back if he never left. If Christ is still in the grave, you have no hope. And neither do I. And everything is in vain. But we have really messed up. See, look at in verse 16. Verse 16 says, For if the dead rise not, 
Well, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain, you're yet in your sins. It means you're still lost. Your sins are not been paid for. How can you believe in vain? You can believe in vain if Christ died in vain. If Christ did not come back from the dead. If he didn't come back from the dead, how can you trust somebody to save you who can't even get out of the grave himself? What value is that? Or it's true and he did come back from the dead and my preaching is not in vain and my faith is not in vain and your belief is not in vain and we don't live in vain because it's all true. Now look in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means we won't all die. If we won't all die, we won't all be buried. I really don't care to die. Not, not that I'm that afraid to die. He said, I've never done it before. I want the Lord just to change me in the moment, the twinkling of an eye and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now think about it. Wouldn't you rather go that way? I do. But he says, we shall not all sleep, die, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Look at me. I am mortal. It means I'm subject to death, but I'm going to put on immortality. It means that I won't die. Those that have already died, their bodies in the grave, well, that's corruptible. So they're going to put on incorruption. So the resurrection is going to take place. Christ is coming in the air. And then all of a sudden, those dead bodies are going to be made incorruptible. And we that are alive when this moment comes will be changed in a moment. The twinkle of an eye caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And this mortal will put on immortality. That's what I'm looking forward to. But you see, if there is no such thing as a resurrection, then there can't be this happening either. Because uh, the one that did the other is going to do this one. We're looking for Christ to return. Therefore, he says in verse 58, look at verse 58. You ought to underline this verse in your Bible if it's not underlined. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast. See, once you trust Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. You're going to heaven when you die. You're just not there yet. But until then, be steadfast. Be faithful. Do right. Because he says, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, solid like a rock. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor, and get this, is not in vain. It's not in vain. So I read all of this, and I see all of this, and I know Christ came back from the dead, so it's not in vain. My faith is not in vain. My preaching is not in vain. My living for God is not in vain. My witnessing is not in vain. My reading the Word of God is not in vain. My praying is not in vain. My giving to the Lord's work is not in vain. It will pay off in the long run. I believe it because Christ came back from the dead. He's coming back again someday. Now look at verse 58 one more time. Therefore, my beloved brethren, that's a reference to those who know Christ as Savior. You're going to heaven when you die. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. I have tried to stay the same way since I've trusted Christ as my Savior and got the clarity of the gospel down. I, I, I want to stay rock solid the rest of my life. I'm thankful to the Lord for saving me when I was 18 years old. It would have been nice that if I had been raised in a Christian home and I'd have known the Lord at an early age. and all that, But that, that wasn't my lot. That wasn't what I had. I didn't want God to save me in vain. To give me eternal life and then leave me here in this life and it be for a waste. Oh, I'd go to heaven when I die. But I want others to be in heaven when I get there. I want people to be in heaven because I passed through this life. God left me here. That was by the grace of God. He didn't owe that to me. But He did that. And I don't want His grace of leaving me here that I didn't deserve to be totally in vain. I want to accomplish something with my life. 
And that should be the goal of every Christian, to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. Because remember, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, you are what? Lost. And if you're lost and you die, where do you go? Where do you go? Hell. Now that's not a pretty subject to talk about. But, but you can't talk about the love of God if you don't talk about the, the wrath of God. Because you've got to see, until you know that you're going to heaven, when you die, you'll never appreciate God really loving me. How do I know God really loves me? He saved me from hell. Now look up here. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He hates our sin. He loves us. And the Bible says since we committed the sin, we have to pay for it. Since we committed that sin, we're all guilty. We all have to pay. And the wages is eternal separation from God in hell. Now God says that He loves us and He wants us to go to heaven. God does not want anybody to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous like God is. You see, God can't let us in because of sin. So we have to pay for this. And he says that the wages of sin is death. It's not going to church. It's not giving money. It's not praying through and hanging on and let go and let God. You need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's God in the flesh. Came into the world because He loves the world. He hates our sin because it separates us from Him. I can't get to God. He can't get to me. We can't have any fellowship. I can't spend eternity with Him because of sin. So what Christ did for one person, He did for the entire world. He died and paid for all of the sins of all the world. Paid for it on the cross. Came back from the dead. And He says all that we have to do, it's the only thing we can do, is to believe that He did this for us. He paid for our sins. God says if I believe He did this for me, He would put that payment to my account. Now when I was 18 years old and I believed that He did this for me, He put that payment to my account. When you believe it, He put that payment to your account. If you haven't believed it, that payment is not put to your account until you believe He did it for you. That's why your sins could have been paid for and you still go to hell because you rejected the payment that was made for you. Just because you know about it and because you want to go to heaven don't make you get there. You won't get there just because, well, I want to go. You can't will yourself there. You have to admit to God, I'm a sinner. There can be no pride in you that I'm going to heaven because I deserve to go. You don't deserve to go. Nobody deserves to go. Nobody's good enough to get to heaven. We're all bad enough to go to hell. Only took one sin. But that one sin is enough to keep us all out of heaven. So Christ took the sins, paid for them on the cross. Now, the only way you'll ever get to heaven is do you or do you not? Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you accept this payment He made for you? Now, if I was to offer you my glass of water and you accept it, you'd have a glass of water. And if I offered you my wallet and you accept it, you'd have an empty wallet. If I offered you my microphone and you accept it, you'd have a microphone. Well, if Jesus Christ walked in here right now, offered you eternal life and you accepted it, what would you have? Eternal life. Now, if it's eternal life, how long would it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? Go to heaven. Can you know that you're going to heaven before you die? Yes, that's what it's all about. Knowing that you have eternal life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
You have to know it and you have to have it. Have it now. Do you have right now? Know you have right now everlasting life. And you'll never lose it. God will never cast you out. If you don't understand that, you don't believe that, you're lost. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I don't care how many times you've heard it, have you honestly, be honest with yourself, it's a heaven and hell issue. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? Say, yes, I will trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to be certain I'm going to heaven when I die. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.